Hello everybody and thank you for joining me for this episode of The Daily Optimist. Today is Wednesday and it is the 14th of April. I hope whatever you're getting into today you're enjoying yourself. I hope that uh, wherever you are the weather is uh, agreeing with you. You're getting a chance to get out there and get some sun. Uh, As we know the rain is important too. Sun is equally important for us, for our bodies, for our minds. Rain is great for the environment and helping things grow. So even when it's raining, you can still enjoy your day thinking of the positive sides of what the rain brings. But if you do have some sun, see if you can enjoy that as well in a different way. Go for a nice walk today. Get outdoors if possible. But there's a lot that goes on in our days. And I know it's not always simple and easy to to uh, just go for a walk you can't always drop everything depending upon what you have going on but find a way if you can just to get out there for a little bit today and enjoy yourself in the sun of course don't forget to put on sunscreen we don't need anybody burning but still find a way to enjoy it so there's so much turmoil still going on in our world um there's you know COVID-19 still a thing. Vaccinations are underway. Um, My first story is going to be about some of the vaccinations, which we'll get to momentarily. Uh, There's still turmoil from other countries where, uh, you know, there's wars and the Myanmar coup and there's uh, social injustice in the U.S. And there's, um, you know, the U.S. troops are being pulled out of Afghanistan. At least that's what uh, they're looking to do. So the world is constantly changing, constantly moving, and constantly in a state of unrest, if you will. But it doesn't always have to mean that it's in a bad way, okay? We can find positives each and every day, even when it doesn't always seem that there are them. That's what I'm here to help with. I hope it's helping you in some way. And you know what? I'd love to hear from you. So anytime you want to share a story with me, you can email me at thedailyoptimist at yahoo.com. Share your stories with me or you can reach out on any of the social media platforms and do that as well. All right. I'm on Facebook at The Daily Optimist Podcast, on Instagram and Twitter at The Daily Optipod. You can reach out to me if you want to share some news, some positivity. We can all use some. All right. I'm going to get right to it. Thank you for joining me. My name, of course, is Elijah Manning, and you are listening to The Daily Optimist. My first story is going to come about the vaccinations. So in the U.S., we know the Johnson & Johnson vaccine has been on hold due to blood clots. Uh, There's been six reported cases, I believe, in... um, They seem to all have been from women. There is a possible connection with birth control. Dr. Fauci was saying something about it being possibly hormonal. Um, So they have paused the Johnson & Johnson rollout due to that. Um, there have been 6.8 million, I believe is the number, who have received the Johnson & Johnson vaccination. So six is a very tiny uh, number for how many have been affected by the blood clot. 
The reason is the blood clot is different than a traditional blood clot. So they want to make sure that they understand how to treat the blood clot and if it's actually from from what about the vaccination is uh, causing this. Uh, but also in Denmark, they have announced uh, yesterday that they will not be using the AstraZeneca COVID vaccine uh, for a similar reason, I believe. Uh, I believe that the article I'm looking at on CBS News is talking about how there were blood clots as well. Um, rare, they say, but serious cases of blood clots among those who had received the vaccine. So similar to what's happened with uh, Johnson & Johnson in the U.S. has happened with AstraZeneca. Um, so they've, they're using the other vaccines that have come out as well. Um, you know, they've, this, they, there's worry that it's going to put a dent, I guess, or damper on how many vaccines they're going to be able to roll out, but they're still doing it. Um, there's also this idea, uh, from France specifically, they're saying they're using AstraZeneca for over 55 year olds. Um, so that's interesting the because it seems to be the blood clots are within younger i don't know something they'll have to keep our eye on as as we continue those um so it's interesting just to see what other countries are doing how they're handling these things and as we know nothing is ever set in stone on if these are going to be the uh, and all be all or if they're going to need to be paused for a uh, a permanent or or whatever the case may be they're learning everything is is open for for learning um in the uk they're using the astrazeneca one for for over 30 year olds so it's just again um not quite certain on who it's affecting and why and and what the case may be but uh the idea is to perhaps keep it for older maybe younger it's not the same but these countries are still moving forward with vaccinations and that is really what's the most important and studying and continued studying i should say is also equally important so that's what they're doing uh in you know different countries so also, my next story is uh, about what happened in Maryland. So, uh, I don't want you to think I'm one-sided when it comes to policing and think that I only talk about it in a negative with police uh, killing unarmed black men or women. But uh, there is an issue we have with policing and shooting. So, this one is a tricky situation. But there's a 16-year-old who had a knife and an airsoft gun, and he was killed by the police. And this was in Maryland. Alright, so what the story is that the young man was outside, I, I believe it's his home, when the police were called and said somebody was out there with a gun. And the young man supposedly got into a shooting stance and was pointing the gun at the trooper. The trooper fired and hit him, and then the young man pulled out a knife and was attempting to get back up and the trooper shot him again and uh well says that he ordered him to drop the the knife before firing again and and he did 
or um, he did fire again, I should say. And, you know, eventually the, the teen died um, from it, from the wounds. They did recover an airsoft gun, and um, there was also a knife at the scene. They're conducting a criminal investigation, which is standard procedure in all trooper-involved shootings. That's according to the CNN article I'm reading. Um, The deeper question here is the lethal force that has to be in police officer training. Now, I don't know how close they were. Airsoft guns can look like regular handguns. I understand that. But is that the... Is that the way it should be handled? I don't know. Are there other ways? If the trooper were to call in back up and not have to deal with it alone would the 16 year old have stood like he was going to fire would they have been able to figure out that it was an airsoft gun what if there was somebody with mental health support on the scene would they have been able to talk to the young man i'm not saying the police are um not needed All right, so, you know, there's stories of police not helping you if your car was broken into and they ask, like, well, what do you want me to do about it type questions. And the idea is, yeah, that's true because police don't prevent crime in that way. They're meant to respond to crime, which is also technically they don't have to. But not this whole other topic, but technically they don't have to respond But in a case like this, having mental health workers there as well, would this have been able to be avoided? Would they have been able to talk to this young man and eventually learn that it was just an airsoft gun? And the knife, was it the distance close enough where having the knife would have done some true damage? I don't know. I don't know. But the question remains, how do police get trained better? How do you train police better to be more equipped to handle these situations without having to kill? Could it have been avoided? Probably. Do we know that for a fact? No. But shouldn't we ask the questions? Shouldn't we be able to look at a law enforcement officer and say, was the only thing you could do in this situation shoot to kill? I know you wounded first. Was that just because of where you hit? Were you attempting to kill right off the bat? I don't know. But there needs to be a better way to handle these situations. There's also the story of the 13-year-old. I don't know if you know about that. The Chicago police shot and killed a 13-year-old. They say he was armed. I don't know the truth on that one. They supposedly found a gun near the scene. They chased him into an alley, shot him. But a 13-year-old. There there was story that he was in some uh, a car that he shouldn't have been in or something. 
I don't remember exactly, but a 13-year-old was killed. We had a 20-year-old killed recently, too. Now a 16-year-old. What do we do about policing? How do we help these people who may have just been in some kind of mental issue? Hmm. Let's just all try to think about ways we can help change the system for the better. I'll be back in a moment. It's time for some positive news. Alright, so my first positive news story is going to come from, uh, well, kind of an all-over-the-world type of story, but specifically, they're talking uh, about Sweden. So, in Sweden, they're looking to build rainoducts, is what they're calling them, (laughs) which are reindeer viaducts. All right, and this is according to Positive.News article. So they talk, they're talking to a herder named Tobias Johnson that uh, part, of, you know, part of his whole livelihood is herding the reindeer throughout uh, Sweden. And they have to go through one of Sweden's uh, most heavily trafficked uh, motorways. It's called the E4. Uh, so, so, so what they do typically is they'll, they'll block the E4 off with, um, the authorities, but as the, uh, the herder, Tobias Johnson says, the reindeer don't have a schedule. They want to move when they want to move. It's a huge effort. So during migration season, they, they move one way and then they move the other way at the next season. Um, so... Oftentimes this is, you know, troublesome because you have to be able to cross that uh, that major highway or motorway, they call it. So what the idea is to build plans for a series of bridges over roads and railways in Sweden, and that could help, uh, the herds migrate freely. So, uh, Johnson says, I'm excited. Finally, something is happening. We've been stuck like this for as long as I can remember. So the whole idea is that for centuries, they've had to, they were able to just move freely, and then they have to take this long way around now when they do the spring migration. So, you know, it just changes their their typical patterns um, and what they had been doing for centuries. Um, so, so, I guess since the 1950s, according to this article, when commercial forestry and mining began eating away at the grazing habitats. Then came motorways and railways, fracturing the remaining grazing sites. So they're looking to build bridges again to connect these. So they're right over the highway or the motorway that are, uh, as designed, they're looking to see green bridges. And so this is Per Sandstrom, a landscape ecologist at the Swedish University of Agricultural Sciences, who previously helped to create ecological corridors for bears in Montana, USA, says we want to see green bridges with vegetation on that are not just places to squeeze through, but places where you can graze your way across. 
Alright, so there's pictures that you can see of what they've done. Um, this is happening globally, as I was saying to you a little while ago. There's plans to build one uh, over Highway 101 near L.A. for mountain lions to mix, which is essential to prevent breeding, uh, inbreeding, the article says. The Netherlands is also partway through a program of wildlife bridge building. Uh, so it's it's happening. There's the the one I was looking at a picture on this article is one for black and grizzly bears in the Canadian Rockies. There's on Christmas Island in the Indian Ocean, overpasses help red crabs migrate across roads, and in Mexico, underpasses help jaguars to avoid highways. And Johnson says it's not just for reindeer, but all animals in the forest. Uh, I'm going to be crying the day they are finished. So hopefully they can continue this bridge building and, and be successful. My next story comes from Philadelphia in the U.S. And in Philadelphia, there's a restaurant owners, Benjamin Miller and Christina Martinez. They own South Philly Barbacoa. And obviously in their area, well, as on all areas, the pandemic was, uh, you know, disastrous to the communities and things. But in um, Philadelphia and specifically, they have a 21% of the population experiences food insecurity. And that's according to today.com article. And then uh, compared with the national average of 12.9 and that all that information comes from nonprofit Feeding America. So what they did was they used their uh, restaurant and they teamed up with the People's Kitchen. And it's a community collaborative 215 People's Alliance soon began serving restaurant quality meals to those in need. So they used uh, the El Campadre, which is a sister restaurant of South Philly Barbacoa, um, to, to serve anywhere between 215 and 300 meals a day. They say it's a way to help those that obviously uh, don't always be have the ability to go out and eat or have access to food, for whatever case that may be. They've teamed up with Chef Jose Andres' not-for-profit organization, World Central Kitchen, which really was incredibly important during the pandemic. Uh, they have volunteers who pick and grow vegetables at a community garden. They have delivery drivers who also volunteer their own time to distribute some of the food for people who can't access the restaurant's physical location. Um, so it's also just more than feeding people. And uh, the owner, Miller, he says it's also a movement for us to look at what we were missing in the system a little bit, too, and how our restaurants excluded certain people. The best food is being prepared for the wealthier patrons. So how can we get this food and bring it to people who don't have and try to make a more inclusive community that can enjoy the fruits of our labor? So they have a quote unquote bottom up focus. They're teaming with um churches and different organizations to help uh, you know different populations distribute meals but they're also doing it with chefs and uh other um you know what's the word restaurateurs there you go the, the other restaurateurs so they they're doing it in quarters each quarter different chefs from local restaurants are paid to come in and run the kitchen and crew on a daily basis giving work to those who have needed it during the pandemic because, uh, you know, a lot of these places have lost their employees because they can't afford them due to, uh, you know, not having access during the pandemic or not having funds during the pandemic, rather. So they're giving places uh, a way to come in and be the ones who are going to cook and prepare the food and, and have uh, people that deliver it. So it's helping to also give jobs again. 
in that way. And they say right now they have an operating budget of 25000 a month. And the group is looking for sustaining donors to ensure the collaborative continues beyond the end of the pandemic. And Miller once again says, this is our opportunity to build a restaurant model that is really using our talents in the best way possible. So good on them. I hope they get their continued funding so that they can continue to have this community style kitchen. So time for some positive step of the day. And I want you to think about bridges. I know I talked about bridges in, uh, obviously, with the wildlife and that positive news story. But I want you to think of bridges as not just a physical bridge, but as what other bridges are there, all right? There are emotional bridges and and uh, bridges that you have between relationships with people. So it's not just a physical thing, okay? I want you to think about bridges in your own life. Some bridges you've burned some bridges you haven't built yet, some bridges you use constantly to try to reach other people. So how can you continue to improve your bridge building or improve your bridge burning if that's what you need? How can you find new ways and new circumstances in which you can build a bridge? And uh, by that I mean reach different people if you didn't understand. I'm pretty sure you did and I'm just doing it for my own clarification more than anything else. But how can you do that? How can you build bridges? What does it mean to build a bridge? Think about that for yourself, okay? Yeah, physically you can build bridges as well. But there's so much more to building a bridge between you and another person or you and an organization, organization to organization, people to people, community to community. You know, there's so many different ways. They're doing it with that kitchen and for the community. They're doing it for animals. How can we do it between people and policing? How do we build bridges? And what does it mean? What are steps that we need to take? Just want you to think about that in your own life. What are some bridges you can build to help you have a better day? To help you have a better week, month, year? And what are some bridges that you can also get rid of that are not worth going back? You've gotten over that bridge. And you don't need to go back to the other side because it was toxic or just wasn't for you. That's okay to not go back over a bridge. You don't have to. You can just go one way. All right. Just think about that. And my quote is going to come from Angela Davis. Angela Davis is an American political activist, philosopher, academic, and author, professor at the University of California, Santa Cruz. And her quote goes like this, Walls turned sideways are bridges. One more time, Walls turned sideways are bridges. Interesting, right? Bridges can be found in so many different ways. When you have a wall between you and somebody else, turn it sideways, lay it down, it's a bridge. Just figure out how to do it. Think on that. Thank you very much for joining me for this episode of The Daily Optimist. I appreciate each and every one of you. I'll be here with you again tomorrow. We'll do it again with some news stories, positive news, positive step of the day, and a positive quote. That's how it goes. I hope you'll join me. All right. As always, please rate, subscribe, and share. Rate so that other people can find it. Subscribe so you never miss it. And share with anybody who needs a little positivity and optimism in their day. 
I appreciate you all. Enjoy the rest of your day. Until next time, everybody, please be well.